Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. But both were running, but the disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. This is 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Praise to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. There's a painting by a Swiss artist by the name of Eugene Bernand that I think just beautifully illustrates this morning of Jesus' resurrection. It doesn't show an empty tomb. doesn't show Mary Magdalene or the angel inside. It's these two disciples, Peter and John running to the tomb on the morning of the resurrection. Let's just think about that for a moment. Peter and John running towards the tomb that Jesus had been buried in because Mary Magdalene just told them that his body wasn't there anymore. And then in just a few verses, Jesus appears to Mary That same evening, he appears to his disciples, confirming the great miracle of the resurrection. The disciples are able to feel the nail marks in his hands, the place in his side where the spear pierced him, and doubt gives way to faith. Sure knowledge the disciples understand the true nature of Christ's victory on the cross, that he defeated death itself. But we don't see that in this painting. Lay disciples takes place in a a moment of uncertainty, and, and deep uncertainty at that. Mary hasn't seen the Lord yet from this scene. She just simply has seen an empty tomb, 
assumes that somebody has taken the body. And she runs to tell the disciples. Two of them, Peter and John, run to the tomb. They didn't know where the body is. And just all the rational explanations just all reek of bad news. Maybe the Romans confiscated the body so that it, Jesus wouldn't become a martyred leader of this new cult movement that was going on, these, these Christ followers. Maybe the Pharisees removed the body just to, to humiliate the man that claimed to be the Son of God. Or maybe, just maybe, their master had come back like he said he would. The disciples, I don't think, really have good reason to believe this yet, but, but they want to believe it. They desperately want to see the Lord again. And so they've allowed themselves to hope. Nothing about this painting conveys serenity or peace. Everything about it moves. Do you, do you sense the movement? Right? The, the ground looks like it's moving. The, the clouds in the sky. It's a painting that portrays a world in, in, in a frantic, nervous, desperate motion. Peter and John running to the tomb. Not because they know Jesus is there. They have only the faintest reasons to believe in the resurrection. But it's enough to give them hope. And that hope, as faint as it may be, is enough to spur them into action. They don't walk. They don't mosey to the tomb. They run to the tomb. And, and it's apparent that John and Peter, they're, they're running for different reasons, which really makes sense when we read the gospel accounts. Together they capture this range of reaction, reactions that, that we probably experience as well to some degree. There, there's profound reverence and love on one hand and guilt and inadequacy on the other. If you remember leading up to this time, John, he's running because he loved Jesus profoundly, absolutely. It, it, throughout the Gospel of John, we find that he writes about the disciple whom Jesus loved, referring to himself. And, and, and that, that love was returned in the same way. It looks to me like John is praying as he runs. It's like, I hope it's true. I hope Jesus did come back. Peter, on the other hand, maybe had some reason to be nervous about seeing Jesus again. If you remember, just a few hours earlier, he denied Jesus three times just days before. He, he likely was consumed with guilt over his own failure. And, and that Christ's return might give him the opportunity to, to make amends. P 
Peter, I, I see, is running for a second chance. And so here they are, they're, they're running as fast as they can, knowing that if the tomb is really empty, it just might be the most important thing that has ever happened in the world. That's the message of Easter, of this Resurrection Sunday. Not that just that Christ's tomb was empty, but that ours one day will be too. Death's final victory is not final at all. Easter wants us to believe that this time here on earth is not all that we get. And it's true. Something about us survives even the seeming finality of death. And like Peter, we get a second chance at life. And it's even greater than what we've already known. If you want to turn with me to Mark in, in chapter 16, uh, another account here of the resurrection story. And Chick Cheney over at Killbuck turned me on to this little nuance in the resurrection account here. Just two little words and just what, the, what, what a difference they bring to the table. The, the writer of Mark here begins by recounting the women who came to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body for burial. And to their amazement, they found that the tomb was empty. And there was these angels, these angelic beings at the tomb. And they announced Jesus' resurrection. The angel informs them that Jesus isn't here. He is risen. And then he says, go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he has said to you. That's that uh, seventh verse there. And Peter. Now we might have understood if the angel had said, go and tell Jesus' disciples and Pontius Pilate or Herod or Caiaphas or any of the others that played a role in Jesus' indictment, his conviction, the, the death on his cross, the death sentence. Or perhaps we would have expected to hear the words of appreciation. In other words, go tell the disciples and John. After all, John had been there at the cross, at the foot of it with his mother, Jesus' mother, Mary, when all the other disciples had fled out of fear that they were going to be next hanging on a cross. In that same vein of appreciation, Maybe he could have added the names of Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea that provided the, the tomb, and Andrew, any, any number of others. But, but these words, not words of antagonism, not words of appreciation, but words of affection. Jesus knew Peter's heart. Peter had denied the Lord 
in his hour of testing, and he was in dire need of a word of encouragement, a new beginning, a second chance. Perhaps some of us on this Easter Sunday morning have blown it somewhere or another in our life. What is the message of the empty tomb? It's a message of a second chance. Many of us are faced with setbacks or sorrows. And maybe we need to hear those words. And Peter. Because Easter means hope. A new start, a rebirth, a new life, a new opportunity, a new beginning. It reveals that a second chance is possible. How is that? Because of the resurrection. If there were no resurrection of the Lord, there would be no gospel. There would be no good news. There would be no new beginning. Those two words, and Peter, come like water would to someone who's just dying of thirst. Peter thought the Lord would disown him. He had failed so miserably, not once, twice, three times, he denied knowing Jesus. And in talk about good news, when Peter heard these words, he knew that a second chance was possible. And the Bible is full of stories of men and women who received a second chance. When it came time to deliver a nation, who among us would have picked Moses? Moses, he he was a murderer, right? But God picked Moses. Moses had blown it. He found himself then for 40 years on the backside of a desert. But God prepared him to be the one to free his people. When the Lord spoke to him from that burning bush, he knew that a second chance was possible. What about the fellow that was uh, full of lust? David. Who of us would have ever thought that a guy like that could have had a heart after God's own heart. However, when we read David's prayer in in Psalm 51, a prayer of repentance, we see that a second chance is possible. What about Jonah? We all know the story, right? Jonah and the whale. And remember how the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time? A second chance was possible. Some may read Mark 16, 7 here and say, oh, I'm okay. But remember, before Simon Peter heard these words, he had gone out and wept bitterly. He was torn inside. This very one that he cherished and admired and looked up to and proclaimed as the Christ, 
He denied. When the rooster crowed the coming dawn after his denial, his heart was broken because he, he was reminded of his sin. This time of Lent that we've went through, this time of inward reflection is designed to do just that. How long were, were Peter's sleepless nights thinking of his cowardice, his failure? Peter denied that he even knew the Lord. His heart was broken. Can you imagine what he must have felt when he heard the angel's message that they were to go and tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus was going before them into Galilee? The second chance, it's possible. No one said it's automatic. Judas didn't get it. He reformed, but but did he repent? The rich young ruler didn't get it. He was remorseful, but the scriptures tell us he went away sorrowful. There's no record that he ever repented of his sins. Pontius Pilate Pontius Pilate even, he regretted the evil deed that he done. But did he repent? This Easter message of a second chance is not for those who think that they can sin and sin and sin and keep doing the same sin and then go back time and again and ask for, for forgiveness. It's for people like Peter who repent, who recognize their sin, recognize their shortcoming to the point that they weep bitterly about it. Jesus didn't have some private meeting with Peter because he was a big sinner. He was guilty. Rather, he, he was sorry. He was remorseful. It was not his cursing and denial that that brought him mercy, but it was his tears. He got it. And and, and these were tears of, of remorse and repentance. There's no hope for the second chance for those who are just simply sorry. Sorry that he or she got caught. but only for the one who is truly repentant and has a broken heart. There are not many second chances that exist in the world, but the good news is that with God, there's always that opportunity on this side of the grave. There's a second chance for each one of us. Ask Peter. Even the angel wanted Peter to know that the second chance was possible. The angel said, be sure and tell Peter that he's out. He's not in there. Peter gets to go up to the bat again. They wanted Peter to know that one failure doesn't make a flop. Easter 
means hope. It means a new life, a new start, land of beginning again. The second chance is possible. Go and tell the disciples and tell. Fill in your name. Is there anyone here that has failed? The Lord wants you to put your name into this verse. What separates Peter and John from most of us, I think, is that they were willing to give themselves up completely to this hope, this hope of the resurrection. Even the possibility of a resurrection propels them to run, to run as fast as they can. Could it really be true? And that means that they have to be vulnerable to profound disappointment if it's not true. If it turns out to be something else. Most of us, I suspect, would react differently. Maybe we would take a leisurely stroll to the tomb. If we happen to be going by that direction. Otherwise, eh, I got other things to do. We might, we might take a peek behind the rock if it's not too crowded. As long as we expect the worst, we can be pleasantly surprised if it turns out better. But genuine hope, that virtue that sits right next to faith, and love. Right? Peter or uh, Paul writes about faith, hope, and love. It requires more than just cautious optimism. It requires more than just taking a leisurely stroll. It's a frantic running towards something that we've heard about and that we desperately want to be true that Christ rose again he's alive he's risen the essence of Easter is not a passive hope it's an anxious hope it's a desperate hope it's a longing to believe it's true Jesus is alive he's in heaven he's there interceding for us Just maybe our lives don't end when we die. Maybe we can be reconciled to this perfect and loving God that would send His only Son. Maybe we can find joy in our lives, a joy that would endure for eternity in heaven. Even if we don't know for sure, it's news that is worth breaking a sweat over to run towards that hope of Easter. To be excited. As many of you know, I've completed my educational requirements as as a local pastor. And in the Global Methodist Church, I'll be requesting to, to be ordained as an elder. 
But I'll tell you that I miss writing my papers. <laughs> I know, I'm crazy. Uh, that's just the journalist in me, maybe the writer coming out of me. So I have begun to do that on my own as part of my devotional time. I, I suppose you could say it's, it's my way of journaling. And so I would like to encourage each of you to, to pick up a copy of my first essay. <laughs> it looks at that hope that we have after we die. And the judgment, what's it all about? It ties right into this Easter message. So I have copies out here at this entrance table. I'll, I'll maybe quickly grab some and put them over here too. But... Um, and I think I'm going to continue to every periodically just write another paper. What is this? If you have something you want to know about, let me know. Um, just important truths that God wants us to know. To be able to share with others. To be able to stand firm in, in what we believe. Do you believe in the Easter resurrection this morning? All right, come on. Don't, we're not just strolling to the tomb. We're running to the tomb. Do you believe that Jesus is alive? Yes. All right. As an expression of that faith, that trust that we have in him, he's asked us to support his church, to support sharing the good news, whether that's through providing Bibles for prisoners or inviting your neighbors across the street to a, to a lunch bunch or uh, whatever, to, to be in ministry. Go now, placing your trust in the resurrected Jesus. Go now, believing in the name of the living Jesus. And may God, our Heavenly Father, be at your side in the good times and the bad. May the Holy Spirit abide in you and tend to you with love and mercy all the days of your life. Amen.